0: You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube, and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here, we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Live Church Livonia. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you, Live Church. Uh, my name's Alex, and I get to serve in teachers sometimes, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for this community. And I'm uh, so excited about the study we're doing on the Gospel of John. And it's all shaped around these seven I AM statements of Jesus. And we need to remember that um, these I AM statements, they're not just telling us what Jesus did, they're telling us who Jesus is. And we looked at the fact that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And what do we need from him? Because each of these I am's is meeting an essential need in our life. We need to go from death to life, don't we? Resurrection. And we need to go from old to new and this new life only God brings. And last week we talked about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And his point in that is that um, he is the ultimate source of our soul satisfaction. And we can look for these beautiful created things that God gave us to meet our needs, but they're insufficient. Only the creator can meet those deep needs of our life. And today we're looking at Jesus as the light of the world. And light is such a powerful uh, symbol and metaphor. Uh, We often think of light and uh, we all need light. Light brings life. This planet, our planet is alive today because of the light of the sun. And without sunlight, everything dies. Light leads to life. And uh, light um, can keep us from stumbling. We take for granted in a world that's so illuminated by artificial light, what it's actually like to be in darkness sometimes. But we've been in darkness. I've been in darkness. Maybe you have. And with the lights on, it can keep us from stumbling and falling and hurting ourselves. Light can help us light up enables us to see what's real. We see reality, to see truth, to see beauty, to see goodness. And this is a physical light, but there's also, again, a a spiritual light, an illumination that comes. And we all understand that. We've all been in places of darkness in our lives and then places of light. Um, But have you ever had a problem um, in your life because you were doing something in the dark or you didn't have enough light I have done this a number of times, I'm not proud to say, <laughs> but about 15 years ago I was training for a marathon and my kids were young and, and the church was growing and uh, I had to run either early in the morning or toward dusk and I was training in, in the winter time, so it was snowy and uh, uh, and uh, the it, it, the sun was rising later and setting earlier and so I was often running in dusk or twilight. And I can remember I was out one evening for a run trying to stay on my training plan. It was getting dark. I was going, oh, this is a little sketchy. We had had a series of storms, but I felt like, okay, I'm okay. I'm getting some decent traction on the, on the snow, and I'm just kind of getting in the zone. And then I go to take this corner, and <laughs> I, was, I just went flying. It was terrible. And I smashed my elbow, and I smashed my leg on the ground. And I kind of limped home like an idiot. Uh, and you're like, well, what were you doing running around in the dark? And uh, I was trying to uh, finish a marathon. Dumb, I know. But maybe you can relate. Have you ever had, uh, lacked enough light to see something clearly? And maybe you've had a problem in your life. And it could be something physical, like I just said. But maybe you had a problem where you couldn't see clearly and a relationship fell apart. You're like, oh, if I only saw then what I see now, I could I, probably could have handled that differently or a financial decision that hurt you and you're, you didn't have clarity. You were and you were kind of making decisions in the dark or a job that became a terrible fit. And had you seen then what you see now, you would have maybe pursued that uh, path differently or pursued something else. Jesus speaks about this over and over again. And he says really clearly in John 8, 12, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus holds himself up. He says, we live in a world full of darkness. There's brokenness, but he goes, but if you follow me, I will give you the light you need to live by the truth you need to live by, the guidance you need to live by. Uh, you're going to be able to see things and have clarity in a world that's often blind. He says, I'm the light. And in John 9, which follows this, we see him actually, this, this sign of Jesus as the light of the world. We see Jesus, uh, the light of the world in action. And we're going to go right in and read. So Jesus uh, ha, um, has his disciples following him. He's continued to have these skirmishes with the Pharisees who are uh, more concerned with following the rules they made up than the life God wants to bring. And and so as he's going along, it says in verse 1, He saw a man blind from birth. Stop. We can skip over this so easily. And what we need to see here is this man was blind from birth. This is a picture of the tragedy of the fall. And we look at our world, we have to say this world is not as it should be. Babies were meant to grow up and have sight and see. This man had never seen his mother uh, and uh, all the things this man has never seen. He'd never seen uh, the temple or or the beauty of so many things uh, that he would never experience. And this is from birth. And one of the things we have to immediately get a hold of is this world is not as it should be. And we're going to come back to this. So his disciples asked him, so we have a man who can't see, so there's darkness there, right? That's a form of darkness, blindness. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? <laughs> who sinned? That's the first thing. When you see someone suffering in and, and, and a situation that appears insurmountable, do you automatically go, well, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, I want to just point out something real, real quick here. It says, Jesus saw the man. The man didn't see Jesus, but Jesus sees this man. He's an invisible man. We have invisible people all around us. You, uh, there's people on the sides of the streets and may, maybe they're panhandling and hoping hoping for some money or they may be homeless. And, and we often, they become invisible in our culture, don't they? It's, so, it's easier to not look than to look. And we eventually, they become part of um, the, um, the scenery around us and not a person made in the very image of God. It says, Jesus saw this man. That should give us hope because Jesus sees you in your suffering. And then they say, Rabbi, why is this guy suffering? And here was the prevailing belief of that time. So this is an image of this spiritual, maybe darkness. There's some clarity, but there's a lot missing of the disciples. The belief at that time where circumstances are the consequences of sin. Suffering and sin go like this. It's one of the reasons why Job, and we may look at him, I hope, at some point in the future. But Job's friends are constantly saying, Job, what sin did you commit that all these bad things are happening to you? Because they saw an absolute one-to-one cause and effect relationship between people suffering and sin. And if they were suffering, there was someone sinned. And so was it this man who sinned, Jesus? Or was it his parents who sinned? And let me just say this. This is really, really important because we can have the same exact problem today. We go, what's that person's problem? And when we have that view of, people who are suffering have some form of sin or failure or fault on their part. It leads us to be self-righteous. I'm better than you, right? Like I didn't sin, so I don't have that problem of blindness. Or I didn't sin, so my house didn't fall apart. Or I didn't sin, so my spouse didn't leave me. And that is so misguided. It's, it's, it's so broken in, in the thinking. Um, yes, there are things that we do, Right. Sometimes our behavior does result in suffering, doesn't it? We've made choices. There is a cause and effect to the world. Uh, I can do something uh, uh, hurtful or, or, and, and, and it can lead to suffering in my life. And sometimes someone else can do something hurtful to us and that can cause suffering in our life. But Jesus is going to say something uh, really important here. Um, when, usually when we see the cause and effect, it's obvious. And when it's not obvious, Jesus points out, there is no connection. Jesus says, you're not seeing the whole picture. So let's see what Jesus says. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. When Jesus says neither, he's rejecting that assumed answer. And I already talked about the tragedy of the fall. There's, this world's broken. People are broken. Um, and and uh, there's all these consequences of a sinful, broken world that we live in. God created this beautiful world. And yes, uh, uh, mankind sinned and, and led to the fall. But now there's all these reverberations and ramifications of that, that if we're not aware of, uh, we can blame people for the, for the difficulty or suffering in their life. And um, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work, works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus is saying, you know what, my mission is to bring restoration and to demonstrate the work of God and the glory of God. And I'm going to bring healing and my mission will stay in effect until I come again. So we had the creation here. I want you to look where my hand is right here. Creation. And then there was sin. There was the fall. And now Jesus is, came as the redeemer who paid for our sins and who is righting the wrongs in this world. And so the redemption of humanity, the renewal, the restoration is already, you'll we, we'll hear this, and not yet. The kingdom of God is already here, and yet it's not yet come to its fruition or fullness. That will be the whole restoration of all things. And until that time, Jesus said, I'm on a mission to alleviate suffering and to bring healing and to bring good news. But Jesus says something here that should kind of get, get our antenna up. And it may sound insensitive. I wouldn't say it. It's Jesus. I'm quoting Jesus. Um, And, uh, but he says, Hey, this thing that happened with this man being born blind, he said, but this happened. So did this man sin? No. Did his parents sin? No. But Jesus said, but this thing, this brokenness um, uh, is here now present so that the work of God might be displayed in him. And Jesus is, teaches us here, as, as in other places, I want you to see this, that um, pain can have a purpose. Uh Pain and suffering can actually have a divine purpose where God works something good out of something terrible, something difficult, something horrendous, because God's power to redeem something and use it for good is greater than the enemy's power to do destruct, uh, bring destruction to our lives. And perhaps pain and suffering in God's economy always has a purpose where he wants to use it for good. And we could talk about some of those places. But I want you to, before I say any more, I want to say this the most tragic suffering in the world, Jesus dying on the cross, an innocent man for our sins, did that pain and suffering definitely had a purpose. And because Jesus' suffering had a purpose, uh, we can know that God might want to bring something out of our suffering for a purpose. And um, and God often will choose um, pain and difficulty to display his power. Um, and uh. Uh, and you maybe have seen that before. I've seen this before. Uh, Have you ever seen someone who was going through pain and suffering, and they lived such a faithful life in spite of that pain and suffering? It made your faith grow. It inspired you. Your faith got bigger. I can remember this. I was in my 20s. It was one of the first times I was preaching. I was preaching at my church in Detroit, um, and I, I I didn't even have kids at that point, I don't think. And I, I was talking about suffering and how God used the suffering of Jesus to accomplish something great. And I was going to the door, and, and we would often pray for people. And this old, beautiful woman, glowing woman, Helen, came up to me and said, Pastor, and I said, well, I'm not a pastor. She said, Pastor, just come <laughs> grab my arm. And she had this beautiful spirit. This, she'd been living for years in, this, um, in a terminal illness that led to all kinds of pain. Her body was constantly sore, and yet you never would have picked that up from her. Um, she said, Pastor, would you pray with me? And I thought, well, she's going through all this suffering. I've known this is going on for years. She, I, uh, I said, would you like to pray for healing? She said, well, we can pray for that. But no, I, actually what I want you to do is pray that God would use this. That, that through my suffering, and as I'm trying to be faithful to Jesus, and I'm trying to love Jesus, that God would somehow use this to help my husband know how much... Jesus loves him. And I'm praying my husband would come to know the Lord and, and would come to faith. And her, her husband at that point wasn't coming to church at all. So I'm sitting here going, This woman has been living for years in pain and suffering. And she and she and she's asking me to pray for her husband, not even for her own healing. This is, you see what I'm saying, selflessness here. And uh and we pray, I prayed that God would bring minister to her. She, three months later, she passed. And uh, we had done her funeral and and the church rallied around her husband and loved on her husband. Three months later, her husband's at church. And I, I wish I could tell you the whole story. But he came to faith as he watched his wife in the most difficult hours of her life radiate the love of Christ toward him and toward other people. And you've seen this. And this was the thing. God demonstrated his power and worked in her husband's life through her pain and suffering. God somehow did something beautiful through that. And it's a picture of the cross to me. It's always, I still remember to this day because I just remember being so dumbstruck and, and in awe of this woman who I thought, what am I got to complain about? Right? I mean, yeah, yeah everybody has stuff. So back to our text. So Jesus turns back to his audience that the disciples. And they're focused on the blind man and they're wondering, okay, the work of God and all this stuff. And then Jesus says this to the disciples, and I think he catches them a little off guard. He goes, hey, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And I have a friend who goes, that's totally the Jesus thing. Like, they're talking about suffering and pain. These guys are trying to have this philosophical argument and figure it out. Like, how do we reconcile this? And Jesus just does a hard right turn, (laughs) or appears to. Go, wait, 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 we're talking about the blind guy. What do you mean about the works of God? And and one of the things that Jesus is helping his disciples focus on here, hey, we can, I'm going to, you can learn so much good stuff, but that will never substitute for doing good stuff. He said, you can have a philosophical, intellectual argument about this guy. We're treating him like an object. He's here. He's hurting. Hey, God, how, how, what did this guy do to screw up so bad? Imagine being that guy. Man, was his parents, was it him? And here this guy has needs. And Jesus says, I don't want to just talk about his suffering. I want to alleviate his suffering. There's a work that God wants to do. And he says, plural, we should be about this work because there's a window for you and for me. You have a life. I am in the middle of a book right now called 4,000 Weeks. In case you're wondering where the title comes from, it's the average lifespan of a person. You get 4,000 weeks. I'm hitting 3,000 here. And Jesus is making this point. He goes, hey, there's a time when the daylight is on and you're in the summer maybe of your life and you need to take advantage of that because that day will end, night is coming when no one can work. And so he said, he's making this point to his guys. My followers don't just talk. We do the work of the Father. That's what it means to follow me. We do the work of the Father. Because before you know it, night will come, your day will be done. So join me. And he goes on and he says this, this is really important. He goes, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So he repeats what we said in John 8. He's repeating it here in John 9. And here's his point, and this is so powerful. This is the whole point of John's gospel. He says, look, guys, my identity, who I am will never be more apparent than right now. And we're going to come to the end of this. But later at the end of the gospel, John said, hey, I wrote these things. Jesus did all these amazing miracles. But I wrote these things down so that you would believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. And Jesus is saying, this is why I came, to bring life, to bring light, to help you see, to help you understand truth, because you're made in the image of God. I'm redeeming that image, and I want you to live fully into that. And so I'm the light of the world, and I want, you're going to see that right now. And so after saying this, and this is kind of weird, okay? So if you think we've been all over, we're going to we're take another hard right here. He spit on the ground. So I, imagine me just, you know, spitting all over the ground. Now, I don't have any dirt here. He spit on the ground. Now, I don't know if the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we're by the temple, man. You can't spit around here. You know, there's a no spitting rule. I remember being in a place and remember the sidewalks I had imprinted on no spitting on the sidewalk. So anyway, uh, so he spits on the ground. That's weird. And then he goes on his knees and he makes mud out of it. He's kneading mud. And think about how much spit you'd have to have to make mud okay? Think about that. And with his saliva. And then he takes that mud, and what does he do with it? He goes to the blind guy, and he puts it on his eyes. I don't know if he's rubbing it on his eyeballs or what. And the blind guy, well, what, does he know Jesus spit? spitting? I don't know. No, he can't see, so I don't know. It's just, think about this. You have to wonder. It's okay to wonder, okay? You need to read your Bible more. This is weird. And, um, And uh, then he says something to him that we've heard him say before. And this is going to bring us to a a major big idea that we all want to grab a hold of. He says something to him actually that he wants to say to every one of us. And that's not you should spit more often or make more mud. He says this. He says, go. He told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now stop, you're like, well that wasn't like that awesome. (laughs) Yes it is, just wait with me right here, okay? So the blind man, this is foreshadowing, okay? John the gospel writer John is a genius at one point the God I love the gospel John it's so beautiful but it often is playing on two levels there's so much depth in this gospel so this is foreshadowing this is John's whole point this is why he chose this event and it's an I am statement but it's also one of the seven signs of Jesus in this gospel so what does this the blind man do he goes where Jesus told him. How He walks by faith, not by sight, literally. This man literally obeys the command of Jesus to walk by faith. I mean, why is he going there with mud on his eyes? Here's this guy, walk. What, what's the point of this? I don't know, Jesus told me something crazy to do, but you know what? He told me to do it, and I'm gonna do it. And he walks by faith, trusting in this guy, Jesus, not by sight, because he can't see, by the way. And he does what Jesus said. You know what he did? He did what our Heavenly Father wants every one of us to do today. This is one of the whole points. He, he um, chose to trust someone, Jesus, whom he had never seen, had only heard reports about. And he wants us to put our trust in, In Him, whom we have not seen with our eyes either. You know, it's interesting because at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus comes back to this. John comes back to this and said, "Hey, you know, blessed. You're blessed because you've seen this stuff." But he goes, "Double blessed are all those people who have never seen and yet have believed." And we see this man born blind actually living out the call in your life and mine that we're following someone we've never seen. So the man went, he goes to the pool of Siloam and he did what Jesus said and he washed his eyes and suddenly he could see. Powerful. This is our whole life. Jesus is the light of the world who wants to open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and help us to see truth and reality and not live in darkness. And and what does he want us to do with that? He wants us to do just what the blind man did, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you go, well, what does it mean to follow him? How do I follow him? I believe in the one that the Father sent. I trust in Jesus and I do what he says. I obey. And that's simply what this man does. He trusts in the Savior. And even though he doesn't understand why Jesus put mud on his eyes or why he needs to go wash, he does what the Savior told him. He obeys and his life is transformed because that's what it means to follow Jesus. We go where he tells us to go. His neighbors in those, verse eight, who who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? They don't even recognize the guy. He's, He's so different some claim that he was others said no he only looks like that guy who used to live next door to us imagine having a neighbor like for 30 years you're like i don't think that's the guy i don't think that's krishna because his hair is different or whatever but he himself said i have my neighbors krishna okay um, i am the man and then they say this how then were your eyes opened now i wish we had more time to expand on this maybe we will and tell me more Four times this question gets asked in this chapter. This is a long chapter, and I would love to expand on the whole thing. We got this nugget here, and that's what we're walking with today. But this is a long chapter. Um, And uh, four times people say, how, how, how? And really the question they should have been asking is, who? Who? Um, But they say, how then were your eyes open? They asked, Because people see the transformation in his life and they want to know what happened. And he tells his short story. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. One of my favorite passages in in the Bible is in this chapter. When people are questioning him again, he goes, hey, I don't know all these other things about Jesus yet. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I was blind and now I see. This man is a prophet of God. And by the end of the chapter, this man is worshiping Jesus, putting his faith in him and following him. It's a beautiful story. Jesus is the light of the world. And he opened this guy's eyes so that he could see his physical eyes first and his spiritual eyes second. And this is a picture of what Jesus does for you and I. It's what he wants to do for you and I today. He finds us. This man doesn't find Jesus. Jesus finds him. You're like, no, no, I was seeking God. Jesus found you, okay? Just know that. He uh, he finds us. He makes himself known to us. If you're going to church right now, he's trying to reveal himself to you. He's putting you in, as Martin Luther said, the power field of the word. That when we hear the word of God, it does something deep in us and evokes something in us. And Jesus is trying to stir something in us, a faith in him. And he offers to give us spiritual light and spiritual sight and spiritual life. And these are the things Jesus came to do. And our job, just like the man born blind, is to follow him by faith and do what he tells us to do. So as we close, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. When I think about the blind man, I think about myself and I go, you know, like, like the blind man, are you willing to embrace suffering if it draws you closer to God? This man's suffering actually put him in the place where it drew him close to God. And that's it's thought provoking for me. Um, and like Jesus, are you willing to do what you can to alleviate suffering? And so Jesus shows up and he brings relief and you're like, well, I can't heal people. You and I can do things that help alleviate suffering in the world and help people experience the love and the goodness of God. Maybe it would have been just sitting with that man and getting to know his name and talking with him and eating a meal with him. We can do things to alleviate suffering and share God's love. And that's what Jesus does here. And then Jesus says to us, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So let me ask you this. Where is Jesus calling you to follow him today? Where's Jesus calling you to walk by faith with him and obey him today? It's often an uncomfortable thing. This man's leaving his comfort spot. He's going somewhere he doesn't frequently go. He's on his own and he's going in obedience to Jesus. And maybe for you, it's sharing your story like this man shared a story. Say, I don't know all these other things about God. I can't answer all these questions. But what I do know is Jesus changed my life. Maybe today God's challenging you to share your story and invite someone. Uh, to experience his truth and his word. Uh, maybe he, uh, Jesus is uh, prompting you to do the work of God for which the Father sent him and sends us. And where is God wanting to work in your life and through your life? Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in the community. Maybe for you it's another kind of step of faith. Maybe it's being generous and and beginning to give toward the mission of God. Not because anybody wants your money. God doesn't need your money. But giving is an act of faith because we trust God that he's going to continue to provide for us. And we trust that uh, as we're obedient to him, he's using the things that we're giving, our time, talent, treasure, um, to advance his work on this earth. John said this at the end of his gospel. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, but now today you're sensing that stirring, that, yeah, I can, I can take that next step of faith. There's plenty you may not know. The blind man had so much he didn't know, but what he did know, he, he acted on. And maybe today you're sensing I think this is real. I think Jesus is true. I, I need that light. I know deep down God made me uh, to have this light and I feel like I'm constantly um, uh, walking around in darkness and I'm sick of that. I, I wanna live a life that has meaning and purpose and some clarity that only Jesus can bring in. If that's you, I just wanna invite you to pray with me right now. Would you pray? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world. And I just uh, am so overwhelmed sometimes by the darkness all around. But I know, Lord, that um, you, uh, Lord, want to bring life and light. And I know this, there's no competition between light and darkness. As soon as the light shows up, the darkness flees. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the light of my life, the light of the world for me. And I'm putting my trust in you today. I believe you're the son of God and that even in your suffering and death, you brought something good. You you fulfilled the purposes of God in my life and you died for my sins. And Lord, I want to receive that gift of new life now. Help me to walk with you and follow you. And I pray you'd be glorified. Help me to join you in your work. In Jesus name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, I want to just encourage you to uh, message us. And uh, let us know. We want to help you take your next steps of faith. God bless.